1: Baby blue. Happy holidays, my friend. Happy holidays.
2: Happy holidays, sir. Are you are you are you a
1: holiday guy or are you just a Grinch?
2: <laughs> Dude, I've never been a holiday guy. I've always been indifferent to the holidays. I've actually like traveled to like Asia during the holidays, but this year I'm the Grinch. This year I'm the Grinch because every single Bay Area team is miserable. so I'm unhappy. Risa says I am the biggest Grinch in the world. All right, let's say. Hey, look, man. Look, Steph's out. You know the Giants are the Giants. We'll get to them. The Niners. Are at least, the best hey, Niners team. are good.
1: At least Niners you got the that.
2: Team. You know, I'm always angry about the Niners. You know, I'm always angry, and the fact is, now I have nothing but the Niners left. You know, what I mean, until Steph gets back in, in, in a week here or two weeks. So, you know, we'll keep living save, with Brock. Hardy. Save
1: me, Kristen McCaffrey. Save me. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm going to the game on Saturday. So, if any one of the listeners listen here and, and, and are going to be at the game, you know, drink some beers. I'm going to somebody. I'm going to a run of the Light Years Goons tailgates. I don't nice. I don't know his name, but. He just he
1: just like let me know how many people come up to you and say, I, I have a I have a problem with what you say about James Wiseman. <laughs> what a segue. What a segue. <laughs> All right. So we're recording this a day after the Warriors 143, 113 loss to the Brooklyn Nets. One and five road trip. Obviously, the biggest note from the road trip is Steph Curry got hurt. Probably wouldn't have gone one in five if Steph played. Definitely wouldn't have had those two disgusting disappointing losses in new york mm-hmm. with 30 plus point margins if steph played at least one hopes um and i don't know do we want to talk about that real quick before we get to it because i feel like this home stand will be season-defining. Season um def- yeah correct but correct. before we get to that wiseman 30 points in brooklyn you got any thoughts <laughs> set me up set me up
3: um well,
1: i'm throwing you i'm throwing you a terrible post-entry pass just like the Warriors apparently do just
2: like the Warriors um look it's good that he scored 30 points that's pretty cool uh for a guy that has Kaminga ever scored 30 points uh (laughs) has uh Summer League uh, yeah right (laughs) has has any of the Warriors young guys ever scored McCall uh Jordan Bell any of those guys ever ever scored 30 points so we got like
1: 26 in a game last year I think that's that was his high but who did who did Kaminga
2: okay Okay, but your yeah. your
1: point stands. That's that's kind of the point. Yeah,
2: he's uh, he is a offensive minded big man. I, you know, I think it's cool that he's got to score that many. I'm sure he was very happy about it. Uh, he was sitting in the G League for a long time and came back and got to do that. Right, so I, I thought all that was pretty cool. It's it's good to see him succeed in that level. But if you tell me, if anybody tries to tell me that those thirty points mean that the Warriors are like the mean that the Warriors are set up for success with Wiseman this season, we all know that's wrong, right? So I, I don't, you know, we spent a lot of our last shows kind of talking about Wiseman, but I, that's that only thought is that if you think those 30 points is a good thing for the Warriors this season and it's going to be impactful, obviously incorrect, but I thought it was cool that he scored that many, right? Just good for him, but for the Warriors, I don't think it means anything in the in the long term.
1: Yeah, let's see if he builds confidence off it, and it translates to game that matters. End of the day, when he was subbed in, they were already down 21 points. It was yeah, it was open run. the The Nets were up 30 in the first quarter. Um, He showed off the physical ability that made him a top five pick in what was essentially open open run. You know, a lot of really athletic plays with no one playing defense. Let's see. Let's see if he can manifest this into you know some positive momentum and games that are hopefully going to be more competitive going forward that's really my only takeaway from it otherwise it doesn't really tell me anything um he looks physically good we knew that um okay let's get to what I actually wanted to talk about here which is I don't really want to dwell on this road trip any longer than we have to they lost Steph we don't know when he's coming back what is interesting though is the Warriors have their largest homestand of the year coming up, eight straight games, and not just eight straight games um, at home, eight games over three weeks. So they got a lot of cushion in this schedule. And then to add to it, majority of the teams that are playing are bad. I mean, Memphis on Christmas, yeah, they're probably – Probably gonna lose that one without Steph. Although, you never know home game on Christmas, some guys can get Wiggins up. Is you might back. get a big, you might, yeah. We expect Wiggins back. You might get Clay up for this game with a five day break. We know he yeah, shoots better true. when he has a longer break. Draymond, national TV. I, I remember during that awful uh, year where Steph broke his hand, the one Draymond game was Christmas, where he's just like, Houston. man. Yeah. yeah, we're we're not going to win anything this year, but I just want to win this one. We're winning just this one. game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like you never know, but like you look at the schedule, they are at home from today, the 22nd, they don't go on the road again until Thursday, January 12th. That's 3 weeks at home with a lot of teams coming in. If Steph was playing, I would say they go 7 and 1 and this is really the span where they catapult themselves. Into, you know, getting out of the playing range. They're they're like firmly back into it. Obviously, now this is more about like they need to get from fifteen and eighteen to hopefully around five hundred when Steph comes back to make their run. So it's a little disappointing, but it is what it is. You look at the schedule, Andy, and what what's your initial thought? You see Memphis, Charlotte, yep. Utah, Portland, Atlanta, who's in turmoil, oh. Detroit, who's straight up, you know, taking for one comma. Yep. Orlando, who's kind of tricky, but they are a young team going cross country. And then Phoenix. Those are all home games, one back-to-back. A lot of these games have two to three days off. I mean, it's it's really set up for the Warriors to kind of get the positive vibes back. What what would you consider success over this eight games? So that, the one thing that jumps out at me is uh, that one back-to-back. Has it felt like the Warriors
2: have played like 16 back-to-backs and they've had like four schedule losses already? Look, mm-hmm. Life isn't fair, but that's a, that's a huge reason why the warriors are a lot shakier than maybe the record shows uh or sorry more more shaky with the They're record deaf, than what they yeah. yeah and then the resting guys yeah yeah, yeah so it, i think that's been tough two gimme games is what that schedule looks to me two gimme games detroit is a gimme game charlotte is a gimme game at the front end of the back to back you warriors going to win both games if you don't we got bigger issues, see like you know whatever but they win both of those games so that gives you six other games. Can the Warriors go 500 in these six other games outside of the two gimme ones? Because, you know, you could tell me Atlanta's a mess. You can tell me Portland's whatever. You can tell me Orlando's whatever. But those are going to be wars. Like, I don't, I don't see the Warriors winning any of those games by 15 points unless they go out there and play really, really
1: well. And we haven't seen that at all
2: this season. Or, Not or,
1: or we get a great, great news on the Steph front and he's back on like, you know, the, the first of January, which I, it, it just it sounds like he's probably going to be back at the end of the homestand going onto the road. Like, like can, that... he, can he
2: make it to that Phoenix game? Maybe they can win that one. That'd be really cool, right? Like maybe yeah. they win. Maybe they go, you know, five and two or, or four five. and three or something, and then they can but they can finish out that. Homestand with the win with Steph back in Phoenix, and then they can go on their way. And by the way, they play San Antonio, Chicago, and Washington on the road after this home stretch. So it's even more winnable games. You got three more winnable games after this homestand, mm-hmm. right? But I'm saying, I'm saying they need to go five and three. Uh, they need they need to have a winning record. Also, I think mentally this home stretch requires them to tread water. And just to play a lot better, I do think if Steph wasn't hurt, yeah, they may go 7-1, Sam, but do they? And I do think, like, so much of it was built upon the back of, hey, how great is Steph going to be? I do think this requires them to say, Jordan Poole, you got to play better. Klay Thompson, stop playing like an idiot. Draymond Green, let's not get kicked out of games every other game, and let's try to be, you know, the guy that you are when you get to play next to Steph, right? I think it does force those guys to play better. And I think that is good for the Warriors long term. But like you said, if it doesn't work out and they go one
1: and seven, yeah, the season's probably over. But the schedule, that's that's that would be the worst case scenario. Don't even put that. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I think five and three should be the goal. Anything above that, thrilled. Um, Anything below it will be disappointing. If they go five and three, they're 20 and 21, with Steph probably returning. Dis, it's official halfway point of the season disappointing. But when you look at the rest of the West standings, absolutely not out of it. You know, they're very much in the mix. If they had the worst case scenario where they go one and seven, or let's say two and six, two and six is probably a worst case scenario that could happen. Now they're 17 and uh, 17 and 24. And that's a lot of work to get out of that hole. It, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it, it kind of is. So to me, I'm looking at this. Jordan Poole, Clay, Draymond, it comes back to those three. They kind of have to set the tone. You have a very favorable schedule, one back-to-back, a lot of games with multiple days off. I mean, they're going to play on the 30th and then they don't play again until the second. They're going to get three days off there. They're they're playing the fourth, they don't play till the seventh, and again, not till the 10th. There's a lot of time for Steve Kerr to get practice in there, or more importantly for the veterans, just to get a little rest in there and to kind of get moving forward and kind of get some positive momentum
0: going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Bob Myers had an interesting interview yesterday. I really do think this segment of the season with Steph's return will determine if they are buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. I really think it's that simple. Nothing is happening trade-wise before kind of the end of the month. That's just kind of how it goes. I think if the Warriors have a successful homestand, get Steph back and go on a run, they're going to force ownership to make a tough call because unlike last year they're kind they're very obviously in need of some help last year i thought they needed help also but you could make the case that they didn't and obviously the results showed that they didn't right this year they they can make that they you can make a case that they need they need some help and it is i think obvious they do it is obvious yeah i think the only way they're going to get it from from management is if this team is Sitting at that six, seven, eight range, and they clearly have something, but they don't have enough, so it forces management to go for it. Whereas, you know, if they keep falling apart, can you really fault Bob Myers or Joe Lacob for not going all in if they're seventeen and twenty-four and they're the eleven seed? Like, doesn't it feel smarter if you're there, like just pack it up and play for the next year? I don't know.
2: It's a tough question because I think you could still make an argument that even if they do drop out, now one in seven is tough. I mean, one and seven puts them like ten games under five hundred. But like you can argue that can they get into the like I would I would still make moves if it means that you can get into the play in round. I mean, the team has shown those veteran guys have shown that they're good enough to win. So like I don't mm-hmm. think giving up is an option. Obviously, it is for them because they got to worry about tax bills and all that. It's not for me to worry about. But I would say, like, regardless of what happens on this, on this homestand and moving forward, as long as you're within range of the play-in, which if you look at the West standings, I mean, every, everybody outside – like, the Warriors are 10th or 11th. There's nobody behind them that are going to surpass them. Like, we were thinking maybe the Lakers, but AD might be done for the season, dude. Like, we just – we have no
1: idea how long – when, when he's going to come One month back. before even reevaluated, which almost oh. always means two months before he's on the court. And the minute. thing
2: is, like, when he comes back, it's his foot. Like, we're not talking about uh, AD's left shoulder. Like, we're talking about a guy that already has issues, and he's going to have to come back and play at 150% just for the Lakers to have a, a chance. So if you look at the West standings, there's nobody beneath the Warriors that I think are going to jump him. Right? So I think regardless, not regardless of what happens in the next few weeks, but they need to make a move anyway. Like, they need yeah. to make a move anyway, in my opinion. Um I, I don't think I just I don't think they get to get let off the hook because this team doesn't do so well in the next few weeks. I you gotta you gotta put something together. If you get in the plan, I'm not saying anything anything can happen, meaning like they could still lose, <laughs> they could still lose sure. their playing team and get out of there, but it's still worth it. You go you can't just punt a season with with Steph.
1: We've talked about this ad nauseum. You just can't. I mean, he's playing like unanimous MVP. I mean, he, he kind of always is these days, but like he's playing as well as anyone. He's one of five oh. guys who's good enough to be the best player in the title team. Um, Bob Myers said this yesterday on ninety-five-seven. The Game. Will the Warriors make a move before the trade deadline on February 9th? I think at some point soon in the next few weeks, we'll have to decide what the answer to that question is. Such a politician. Um, I think that ties to what my question though. It's like, This homestand and Steph's return will define what management wants to do. Any way you put it. Like, I I don't like the answer. But if they are still the 12 seed come January 25th, ownership could be could easily look at them and be like, we need to shed salary to save tax bill. We're not winning. We might as well trade someone to save some money. On the flip side, if they look good, ownership can go. We need to make a trade that makes us better because we have a chance to get 16 home games in the playoffs and pay that whole tax bill. You know, yeah. like yeah. I, I hate to say it's all about the money, but it kind of is. It they're not running a 200 million dollar tax bill to be the 11 seed and not even get any sort of playoff. Run. You <laughs> but know, they're either, either going to go all in or they're going to go the other way. And, and but he, here's why. the
2: thing. Here's the thing mm-hmm. I will push. Here's the thing I will push back. What ownership is I'm looking at the West standings right now and it's Rockets, Spurs thunder randomly 14 and 18. So they're right with the Warriors. but how, how before long, how much do we think they're going to realistically keep trying to win games? Right. And then you've got the sure. Lakers. Those are the bottom four teams of the Western mm-hmm. conference. The warriors are the fifth. <laughs> they are the, they are the fifth team. From from the bottom, right, and then above them, you've got the Timberwolves, the Mavs, the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Kings. So those are another five teams there that I think, if you're the Warriors, you're saying, even without Steph, are we not in that tier or just better than them? You're telling me they're not better than the Wolves or the Jazz or the Blazers. Now, now you know Clippers, Suns, Pelicans, Grizz, Nuggets. I'll give you those. Like those, I don't think the Warriors can get there, especially if they go like three and five or two and six in this homestand. But I would say, even if you are within three games of the nine seed or the eight seed after this stretch, three games doesn't preclude you from going all in and trading guys and getting good players. Yeah. So, and I think they're going to be in that range unless they go something ridiculous.
1: One in seven is just what I'm trying to say. Or the worst case scenario, some of the vets start having more physical setbacks. Yeah. That's the other thing that could play into this. What if Draymond so hard. has a thing? Yeah. And that's kind of that gets back to why. Having a thin roster with a bunch of projects sets you up in a tough position. But I agree with you. um, From a numerical standpoint, it's hard to not see them in it come the trade deadline. It's a question of how much they feel like they're in it. To me, the biggest way you could put pressure on the front office is if they go on a run. If they go on a run, you're going to look Steph Curry and Draymond in the face when they are, let's just say, the seven seed Come January 20th, but you know they're three games back of the four seed. So you know they're right there. They just need literally their bench solidified. You're gonna look them in the face and be like, nah, we're good. I know you guys won a title last year with just some vet help, but we're good. We're gonna stay out of it. So that's why I think that's why I really do think this next month will define everything. Like Bob Myers, his quote is again, he's a politician. He's saying he's saying it the way he has to, but it's like, Kind of fair or not, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to make the case here because I think I, I, I feel. Here's my prediction: There's zero chance that they get through the deadline without making a move. It's just a question if it's going to be a move to go all in or a move to go the other way.
2: So let's okay. So let's get into that then. Um, mm-hmm. What's the move all in? And I sorry, wh- all in move we talked about a million times.
1: What's the move the other way? Um, there's a few ways you can go about it. The most obvious one would be trading Draymond. Find someone who wants him and get salary cap relief for future picks. Um, That so, one I don't even like to talk about that. But like, if you're looking to save tax money, you know, moving Dante Divincenzo is that, is it like a a tangible tax saving move? It's trading Draymond's twenty five million dollar contract. And getting back only five, you know, well, that's okay. a move. That's a move. Like you're, you're officially saying we're not doing anything this season. Forever, by the of- way, forever. You're not talking about this Maybe. season. See, you're talking about next season. And, and the way this
2: is brought up because this was brought up on NBA, NBA NBC, uh, sports with mm-hmm. Monte Pool and uh, and uh, Kareth. Kareth Burke, right? Friends, friends of the so, show, friends of the show. And we. This is why it's brought up. It's not you and I didn't bring this up. Right, we it was brought it's up by also them, and
1: just common sense. Well, it's, not, it's, it's I in,
2: in my opinion, it's brought up because somebody told him. Like it wasn't Monty didn't just hmm. say, "Oh, let's just let's just talk about them trading Draymond." Let's ruin and everyone.
1: Monty Monty's, Monty is like, "I'm a bigger Grinch than Andy. I'm gonna ruin <laughs> everyone's Christmas."
2: <laughs> exactly. Like he's not Monty. Monty's he knows he knows what's going on, and, and Kareth, same thing. Like they're not just throwing this shit out there because mm-hmm. they want to generate content. This is thrown out there because somebody. Put it in their ear, whether it be Bob or Steve or, or someone more lower level Ken, as as Fitz likes to talk to. So I, I His think text buddy. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he's getting worse. And anytime the team gets like, like it's not it's not like they're a lottery team. I actually kind of enjoy Fitz when they're a lottery team. It's not that bad. But it's when he's trying to sell stuff. That's when anyway, I just think this conversation is brought up because somebody threw it out there and. Trading Draymond and Clay, to your point, maybe is realistic. I would think it's extremely unfair to Steph because if you're trading Draymond, he still has so much value to the Warriors and winning a championship that you're you're basically throwing the
1: towel not just for this season but for next. I'm playing devil's advocate here because uh, I don't believe this. Um, what if I tell you trading Draymond gets you assets? That makes it easier for you to get the right replacement for him in the offseason next year. So you're telling me that trading Draymond is gonna
2: net me Pascal Siakam in the offseason, but because <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the perfect fit, and that's the player that the Raptors are probably gonna trade. They're a mess. Sure. You have to though. You have to know. Or it's not, it's not you can't get you can't have it done in the season, but you have to know like 75%, you know, in a backroom talk with Masai Ujiri, you've got to be like, Hey, you <laughs> like Ben Simmons. Right. <laughs> we had this conversation where I really like, but by the way, he's been playing better. So good for him. But he, he had no. he had Jordan Poole in hell. Yes. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, not, for the five minutes of the game that was competitive. Siakam. Siakam's the guy, not Ben Simmons. He Siakam's the guy that you need um if you're gonna replace Draymond. So you're gonna have to tell me that. Hey, I know Jerry likes Wiseman. I know he likes Kaminga, right? I know he likes these guys, and I and I have an inkling that he's gonna want to make that trade and Pasco is available and that we'd be at the front and center of that conversation. But if you don't know that, how the hell are you going to make that trade? How are you going to make that trade?
1: Even in my scenario, you're, you're dumping Draymond to get some picks, which you're basically saying the season's over, but we have all this stuff to go into the off season um, and go get the guy we want and have a better roster next year. Um, I don't like that personally i th- i would prefer them just find a way either. to get like get like uh Purtle or someone to like give you a little more depth and just go for it with what you have but that's that's kind of the if if i was to sell you on a scenario which they go the other way the other way involves probably moving draymond cutting your tax bill like way in half um getting some future assets and then um, looking at your roster in the offseason, being like it's a new day with the Warriors with a different roster. That's it, that's what going the other way would look like to me. It's also a bullshit scenario because they just won a championship
2: with these same guys. Now, if you told me the Warriors lost in the second round to Memphis last season, I'm I'm all ears.
1: Like I'm looking at you, I'm saying right, like, they that, hit a where, ceiling, you're yeah. like, This is we need to do better. Okay. It's
2: not gonna work. Like it's not gonna work. Draymond's not good enough, fine. But we just saw them win it all. And so I think, yeah, sure, what I'd like Siakam, but dude. I know that the Warriors top six and seven are good enough to win a title. So why the hell are we messing around? If it's a tax thing, then why is making $12 million next season? Dump him.
1: You know what I mean? And like to, what, your, what? to your point, the Warriors starting lineup still has the best net rating in the NBA. So until we know that there's like a better five-man group, the moves they should probably be looking to make are marginal moves to like not have Looney and Draymond running dead because they have to play 40 minutes a game in round one, you know?
2: The difference between I think like how Bob Myers and Joe Lykou works and and what Farhan Zaidi has done with the Giants, is like I think the Giants like doing marginal moves, and then the Warriors like they're not making a move unless it's like a massive like gamble, they which really, is interesting.
1: My man, they really are. Should we just get to this? They really are kind of opposite organizations in in positive and negative ways. Like how many times have we been like, why can't the warriors just make a shrewd marginal move? You know? Um, And then with the giants, it's like, okay, dude, you have a roster of Juan Toscano Anderson's, you know, like it's um, it's funny. I'll, I'll share this. Like, I know the warriors have felt that they don't want to be the giants there. This was, this was something that was said to me that when um when they were in that tanking year and they got Wiseman they're like we don't want to be the giants where we have a bunch of old stars and nothing in the pipeline and we're a last place team so kind of what the giants were around 2018-19 just take I'm taking you back in time that time and so that's why they're so obsessed with the two timeline plan because they don't want to be stuck in a situation like the giants are right now um and I get it, but I also I'm looking at this. I'm like, you're not there yet. You're you're not. You don't have 34 year old Crawford and Belt, you know, doing something like that. You should be going for it a little more. The Giants at that state. and also as much as I love
2: Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt, and even Buster Posey, those guys aren't even comparable to Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and especially Steph Curry. Love yeah. Buster. Right, he's won the MVP, but he is not even on the level of Steph in his sport. Like Steph is Steph- on the Barry Bonds. Yeah. Barry
1: Bonds is the closer comp. It's the cl- like
2: exactly player. Of the, yeah. Even Mike Trout, who's one of the best players, and then Shohei's on his own kind of thing. But even like let's say Aaron Judge, who just got you know X amount of three hundred sixty mm-hmm. million, it's not even close to Steph Curry's
1: level. More, more of a Jokic.
2: <laughs> like it's just it's such a different thing. Where mm-hmm. the Giants, they had aging guys who were always. Good above average players, but just not on the same level as this mm-hmm. Steph. so I am with that also totally different sport. I mean, just totally sure. different sport where you just have guys that are so much more impactful with the warriors just on a day to day level and game to game. I don't know. you want to talk about Korea for a little bit or do we have some warrior stuff because I, I you know
1: yeah um let's let's get to it because I do think it kind of to your point, I f- we can get annoyed with the warriors all we want. No chance Joey Lightyears is having a Correa fiasco happen on his watch. (laughs) I'll put it that way for sure. Um, Man, we're now, uh, what, two days removed from it? Yeah. So, like, you've had a little time to marinate. Where are you at? I
2: think I've had two... Okay, you could count three. I was pretty young when the Giants lost the Sports Series in 2002. But here are the two worst moments in my various sports career. Number one is a 3-1 lead that the Warriors blew in the NBA Finals. Number two is each of the Super Bowls that the Niners lost, both of Mm -hmm. them, with Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan uh, to to Patrick Mahomes. The nature of them. Joe Flacco was pretty bad. I mean, losing to Mahomes is fine, but losing to Joe Flacco was pretty bad. Uh, Those are the top two worst moments. This is number three. I mean, this is right up there. And to me, it's because the Giants told us that they were going to spend money. The Giants had a bunch of money to spend. The Giants signed the dude. They actually had the guy. If they had just not signed Correa and he went to the Twins, I actually wouldn't have been mad. I would have been like, fine. We We knew that was coming. He's going to the Dodgers or whatever. But the Giants signed him. And then we find out that. They never tried to renegotiate with Scott Boris, despite the fact that they said there was something wrong with the fiscal. We will never know what it is. I know maybe Sam sources will tell us what it is, but they never. And then, and then on top of that, per
1: sources, the ankle. And yeah. by per sources, I mean I think three articles mentioned it yesterday. <laughs> so, so not really. But. And
2: then nobody ever came out to tell us what it was. And now I don't
1: Bro, care to blame
2: four, for anxiety or the ownership. Like maybe it's one of them. Maybe it's both of them. It's probably all of them. But dude, when you do this and you set the expectations, and then you actually blow through the expectations, and then you act like an amateur organization, you act like the uh, the the Suns, right? You act something like that, or the or the Clippers when when uh, the dude was like, "What are we doing here?" I feel mm-hmm. like I was watching a team that was three World Series championships, one of the top five teams in baseball, just in terms of name and. Mm-hmm. And, and and value and all of that. And now it's like, man, I don't think they're the A, Sam. I don't think they're the A's, but they are like a, man, they are like a mid-tier organization at this point. Maybe like one of the lower-tier organizations in baseball, which really sucks. It's like Cohen-era Warriors when we we're growing up rooting for them. Like bottom-tier organization, clown show, right? It's what it feels like.
1: Dude, and Scott Boris is out here just over and over again. Let's listen to this quote. Oh, boy.
0: They told you they were calling off the press conference. We were all in the hotel in San Francisco. He had his parents there, his brother, uh, his his wife's parents. Um, <laughs> it was uh, certainly a roller coaster for the Korea family. Was he in
2: the room with you, or you called him in his room?
0: I, I called him to my room,
2: and uh, so he came
1: into your room.
0: Yeah, he came into my room. What was his reaction? Yeah. Um, he was obviously surprised. You know, as we all were, frankly, we're very surprised.
1: Oh my his goodness. goodness! His
0: family,
2: Scott Boras, is a step away from crying, talking about how Dude, hard this is.
1: It's just levels. Best agent in the game. Um, whether you either you like him or or dislike him, he's good at his job. Also, the Giants try to ruin the contract, and he finds another team to just give him three hundred off the bat. Like yes. that's just. just amazing but i've i can't think of ever seeing anything like this uh it's to me it seems like it was ownership um it seems like someone got cold feet and they tried to manufacture an excuse to get out of it Mm -hmm. and that's the sort of thing that has ripple effects so like as annoying as everything with the warriors is right now i try to remember you know it's like hey man their reputation's still very good with players and that's what matters now you wonder about the giants like uh show you know is, is Shohei a free agent that. yeah would he d- they were probably on the list if they get Correa and you know they're doing yeah. some other stuff now it's yeah. like no no uh, I'll you know it's like it's Mets Yankees Dodgers a few other teams you know that type of thing and those are kind of you know I guess when I think about the Warriors a little bit like that's the other part I think about with their core it's like how do you do this in a way that doesn't like blow all your goodwill and turn into a complete tire fire, like what's going on with the giants. Because I, I, I think like people have mentioned like
2: Wiggins is eligible for trade coming up. And it's like, dude, if you trade Andrew Wiggins, by the way, they won't do this, but if you trade Andrew Wiggins, you understand what that looks like in the NBA circles, because not only did he sign a under market contract to play mm-hmm. for you. Right. And you just turn around and you like Bob Myers would never do that. We know that Bob Myers is a very good, sure. very good GM. And so just from that perspective, yeah, I'm with you. I hadn't thought about how the Giants. you made me more depressed. I hadn't thought about the giants being screwed for the next <laughs> three years. Yeah. Could, Cause for me, it's like, it hurts right now. I wanted to go to giants games, but you're right though what does this mean for the next four years? Like, you're always going to get to sign guys like Haniger and Manaya, and those guys because those guys are injury guys and they need they need somewhere to go. So they're always going to go to the Giants. But how about the big dogs, right? And that's kind of what Correa... The guys who eat. have every option on the table in front of yeah. them. Yeah, And those guys come up every year. There's Juan Soto coming up. There's like Shohei coming up. There's sure. guys that pop up every year that are going to make 10, year, 10 years $300 million. But you're telling me the one guy, Correa actually wanted to come here and you signed him and then you pulled back at the last second by the way scott boris just master class in, in narrative <laughs> narrative setting like Cl- like clutch we think does a good job but scott boris is just out here immediately saying look he was dressed he was wearing a suit his family was there and it's funny to me he that flew man, out
1: his 90 year old grandma oh from my. puerto rico yeah, <laughs> just like crying all Jesus. that stuff
2: he's uh it is interesting that the Mets signed him for less like 12 years 315 like it was less than 13 350 so that's interesting but again like the Twins offered him the same contract right so and 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 somebody mentioned this the, the new guy the new GM or the new um front office guy that Farhan hired GM. is a Houston Astros guy right he's a Houston sure. so it's like that guy would have probably told you in the if if Carlos Correa had some weird issues with his ankle like don't wanna, you don't want
1: you don't want to offer him that because uh, I know what those medicals look like Yeah, when I was in Houston you know <laughs> like he's got to go that's, know. that's um, why I think it's uh that's why I really think it's an ownership thing because it's like you can roll your eyes at Farhan and like being overly pragmatic with the margin stuff but I don't think he's an idiot I don't think he's offering this contract without thinking it through and then rescinding it immediately like he's he's not an amateur this feels like an owner who's like an amateur move yeah yeah who's like man how much money what i i don't want that anymore you know without like thinking without thinking about the consequences of what it means because he's a billionaire and billionaires often think there are no consequences for their actions right (laughs) That's a good way to put. And and these guys are way richer than Joe Lacob. Although to
2: be fair, like a lot of owners are a lot richer than Joe Lacob. Joe mm-hmm. Lacob is not one of the most richest owners in the in the sports world. I like, mean, Steve Cohen is is this is nothing to him. Like Steve Cohen, this is a drop in the bucket for him. This is like when he, him negotiating co- contract is like me and you getting Chipotle for lunch. Like well, it's just nothing to the guy. And I think I think the that's what it feels like. It feels like long term the Warriors are a – I'm sorry, the Giants are a. uh are uh, are an amateur organization, so maybe that's what as a Warriors fan makes you feel better. Maybe that's like maybe the, the Warriors aren't aren't that right. Like Joe Lacob isn't that. Which which brings me, I guess, to the final piece is, damn man, is Jed York is Jed York a good owner? Because I spent a lot of time in my career hating Jed York, but you know he's now figured out. Kyle um, Hand's the man. So you know the uh,
1: the OOS and early tens were not good to Jed, but you know he he figured it out. He hired the right coach, and he yeah. just like. He lets him take all the the bullets from the media. Every you know, every few months, it's like, what's Kyle doing? No one's ever like, what's Jed doing? You know, just eating a French laundry, living his life. <laughs> Jed, Jed's not,
2: and Kyle's figured it out. Dude, Kyle has figured it out. He's ten and mm-hmm. four, and he's the Winers Might be the most consistent, stable team in the. And I don't know. It's um. And the other thing that's that you talked about ownership. The other thing that's that's pro- problematic is like Franzide. He's the one taking all the hits. Like he's the one that's just out here because he's public facing. None of the own, Giants ownership
1: team has come out and That's, said anything. Yeah. It's crazy. Feels it feels like it's what they want too. It's like we hired you to be the bad guy. That's, you know. I'll be yeah. I'll be there I'll be there when we sign guys so I can get the smiles, but sure. you know, you get to do the bad guy thing and um why would he stay is the question is like why would he why would, what's
2: what's the you know, long term what's the point of if I, I mean, work for anxiety, like what's I guess he gets paid a lot of money but
1: yeah, and there's only a few of these jobs out there. It's not like he can just go. You know, it's it's not like the Dodgers GM job is reopened or something. You know, like that. Well, Houston, so,
2: Houston, let their guy go, right? Houston, let their, yeah. they
1: won a World Series and let, but yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. He, I,
2: I guess there was an assumption that Farhan was going to get a bunch of leeway to use the money, but it sounds, it's it's tough, dude. And 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 as as a Giants fan, like baseball's is 162 games. That that's a lot of games that you have now turned the interest off. A lot of people. Like who who's going of, to get a
1: lot of J- JD Davis? Yeah. It's um yeah, like Korea wasn't about to win a hundred games by himself, but at least it's something to watch. I would have been
2: okay with 88 wins next season. Like that's and then the mm-hmm. Giants might still win. I mean they're not bad. Like they might
1: still win 80 games, mm-hmm. but who the hell is watching the Giants? Anyway. All right. Well, I uh, hope you have good holidays. Happy holidays to all our listeners. We will be back after the Christmas game, probably the next day, let's be real. We're probably not going live on Christmas evening. Appreciate everyone for subscribing.